0: Okay, hello everyone, and welcome to the Actus Podcast, talking CDI. The Actus Podcast is a bi weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and Actus. Today's featured Actus solution is Next Steps and Actus Encore. Actus is proud to offer our final virtual education event for 2021. Three day, two track online conference filled with educational opportunities and continuing education offerings. Throughout the pandemic, you've all ex- continually embodied a spirit of change, and we welcome you to join us for this program November 17th through 19th. We've got a lot of great content that's been pre recorded. We've got a really cool poster session, a virtual poster session for anyone who attended our live event. You know, we had to cancel that because of the pandemic. We're bringing you posters virtually. Some great content and and an app, and you can still sign up. Again, this takes place next week, November 17th through 19th. Okay, so again, my name is Brian Murphy, Director of ACTIS, the Association of Clinical Documentation Integrity Specialists, and I'm your host for today's program, Staffing and Hiring, Current Landscape. Today's show is supported by 3M Health Information Systems. 3M Health Information Systems, now with m delivers innovative software and consulting services designed for a wide range of healthcare environments. From closing the loop between clinical care and revenue integrity to computer-assisted coding, CDI and performance monitoring, 3M can help you reduce cost and provide more informed care. So, I'm joined today by uh, my co host at left, Sharm Brody. Sharm is an instructor for the CDI boot camps and is a subject matter for us here at Actus. Sharm is more than 35 years in the healthcare industry, including multiple areas of nursing and a variety of roles. She's a regular writer and contributor to our pod, to our uh, podcast here, as well as um, CDI Journal and the website, our certification committee, and I'm, and I'm very glad to have her on the show. So, welcome, Sharm.
1: Thank you, Brian. Nice to be here.
0: Yeah. Next, I'd like to introduce our two special guests today. We have with us first Susan Fenton. Susan is the Vice President of Integrated Care Management for McLaren Healthcare in Grand Blanc, Michigan. Susan leads system-wide CDI projects and clinical validation, standardization, dashboard metrics, policy procedure, orientation, quality monitoring, and physician engagement. She has more than 30 years of experience in nursing with, uh, in a variety of clinical areas, doing a lot in her program with, with some innovative staffing and uh, staff changes, and I'm very pleased to have her on to, to shed, her, shed, shed some light on today's topic. So welcome, uh, Susan.
2: Thanks, Brian. Happy to be here today.
0: Yeah, thank you. And we also have with us today Kim Higgins. Uh, Kim is the Advent Health West Florida Division CDI Interim Director. She has a background in med surge ICU with an emphasis in neurosurge and cardiovascular disciplines. Uh, prior to her current role, she joined her first CDI team in 2013, advancing to CDI Supervisor in 2015, and then CDI Regional Manager in 2016. She is the 2019 recipient of Advent Health's keep me safe award for her division and i want to welcome kim higgins to the show as well welcome kim thank you it's my pleasure to be here Brian. all right well again thank you guys for uh for joining today's show um so this is a little bit of a off cadence show We're, we're recording this um after our usual after our expected november 10th podcast due to some technical issues with the uh with the host. So I'm going to throw myself under that bus there. But really <laughs> pleased we're able to get the show back on track. We've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, it's It's been interesting year. Uh, Susan, you're on the Actis Advisory Board, and we've we've talked a lot about some of the just the exciting things going on with CDI. And, and some people describe it sort of as a, as a renaissance of sorts, just with, you know, so, so much was depressed during the pandemic, but um, you guys were actually able to do quite a bit of hiring during that time, as as were you, Kim. Um, even even though that we had a lot of hospital, um, you know, unevenness with hospital admissions, unevenness with revenue. Despite all the challenges, really been able to 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 make some um, uh, inroads with hiring. So maybe you could t- just start with a little bit about where you guys are right now with with current open roles or roles you've recently filled. Maybe I'll have you start, Kim, and then we'll turn it over to Susan okay sounds good so the first year of COVID
3: was was a bad year to trend because nobody was expecting the COVID to be like it was nobody could predict it uh, we had months in the beginning of COVID in 2020 that we weren't admitting anybody except for COVID patients so we knew by the by the end of 2020 that we would have to come up with something that was beneficial for our program for the next step there's no way we would have got frontline staff hired at That point. So, Advent Health was bringing in back end processes uh, for retrospect, which is a a post coding pre bill program. So, we knew we needed people to do that. Our frontline staff could not handle that. You know, we needed an educator. I had also done an LTAC pilot program. We needed an LTAC person so we went in asking for things that were not frontline but would be beneficial to our program so we asked for an educator a physician liaison five quality liaisons and then uh, we did ask for a frontline cds with our ltac program Wow!
0: and we got all of them for 2021. you got them all approved that's amazing i know yes we did Gonna get into that a bit later, but that's amazing that you were able to, to do that. Really interested to learn how you built that case. And they're and they're all filled, Kim. Is that right? All these positions? Yes, they are all filled.
3: Uh, since right now we have asked for eleven new FTEs for the transfer this year, without the COVID numbers, our admissions still went up. So hopefully we'll get them approved, and we'll be posting 11 new positions for our frontline
0: staff. All right. Wow. Well, the folks are listening. Well, that that's some great news. There, wow. keep you keep posted on those positions. I will do. Yeah. And Susan, how about yourself um, at McLaren Healthcare? I, I, I know that you've been making a lot of changes with the, the way your department is structured. Curious about how hiring staffing is going on uh, in in your facility.
2: So we are hiring. Um, we are actively hiring. In fact, we're putting out an offer today. So for a a CDI frontline specialist um, and hired two more last week, but I will agree with Kimberly at the beginning of COVID, it was, Michigan itself was hit hard. And um, I'm not sure, uh, Kim didn't mention this, but, you know, there was periods across um, the United States where where staff, frontline staff, um, and actually leadership staff was uh, furloughed during this period of time. I can say for our system, um, it did hit us. We were furloughed, I can say, for about two weeks of the whole first pandemic part of it, that, that first spring. Um, but we had evidence and data to back us up for the number of mortality reviews, as I've talked to you about before, Brian, that we were reviewing and trying to initiate making sure that, one, we were keeping up with the new codes as the codes were changing for COVID and helping out with coding. And then also to make sure we were ensuring that we were getting the 20 percent uplift and getting the, the the positive, you know, COVID tests on, on the charts before they went through. And that was a process that was developed across the system, not only from a CDI perspective, but working with quality and outside resources to make sure if it, the tests were done from the outside that we were maintaining it. But it was my department's responsibility to bring that information in and collect it and do that on a daily basis. We put out um, Excel spreadsheets every day on COVID patients to make sure we were getting those, that data information in. But I have uh, have regional directors, team leads, auditor educators, frontline CDI specialists, CDI data analysts. Uh, We're working on building on our our physician advisors across the organization. And then just recently, um, we have incorporated CDI under an umbrella called integrated care management, where we're bringing in UM, uh, case management, denials. And we're all going to be working together. They'll all be reporting to me under one service line. So a really big initiative across McLaren to uh, standardize and have these, uh, all these service lines start communicating with each other.
0: Amazing. Wow, You guys have not been standing still during the pandemic and taking it easy. That's for sure.
1: (laughs) I guess not. huh? (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to throw a question at you. And you've both kind of talked about um, the positions that you have open that you're hiring for but and i'm going to tell you you use terminology that i'm not quite sure i know what it is so it'll be good if you could explain it to me but what are the essential functions of the staff that you have what is frontline cdi versus another type of cdi i've honestly i, I don't know what that is um it sounds like susan that you are adding case management and all of the departments under one which i think is phenomenal but i don't understand what cdi's would what their position would be in all of that um It just I mean, it all sounds wonderful. So if in Kim, you've got dedicated educators. So if you could just explain what all of these people do, what their roles are, I would appreciate it. Okay. Well, our frontline CDSs
3: are the ones that are at our site based and we are on site. We we did not go remote for six weeks only at the beginning. So they are front facing people that represent us at each site. So they're the ones that review the charts and do the frontline work. So then we also have team leads at each of our sites. They oversee their team. Uh, some of some of our team leads have two to three sites under them, but average about 10 people a person. Uh, We have a a physician liaison that has been the most helpful thing I think we have done. Uh, They Con- they contact these physicians before they start even onboarding with the hospital. We go through them with um, with how the program works, why we need CDI, what it does for for the hospital, what it does for the patient, and what how what their responsibility is. Um, there's two sessions that that we do with them, one before and then one after, and this has become the most useful thing that we have done Uh, the physicians have a contact they have her number they're always calling her wanting to talk again wanting to talk more about diagnoses and documentation so that's been a huge help for the program overall to become an advanced program our CDI educator is who we do like uh, monthly touch bases and we do monthly lunch and learns and she keeps up with the coding clinics and any type of education that anybody in CDI would need plus she's over the onboarding process that we have uh, the LTAC person is different. Uh, that's a the is a different set of DRGs and a different set of issues. So that's also, that's interesting. Uh, it's become very successful, and so we kind of set her apart because it is it's a diff- the LTAC is a different arena that we work in. We also have quality liaisons. They are responsible for mortality reviews for our retrospect process and any concurrent reviews that they can fit in in time. We believe at West Florida division that if you concurrently review patients and audit their charts, you can catch the issues before and educate on that. And that way when the patient is discharged,
0: everything is good to go. Good job. That's amazing. Yeah. I know back in the uh, early days, there was always a complaint and, 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 justified that you either had your CDI frontline reviewer or your CDI manager director and there was not a lot of room for advancement it's it's really gratifying to me to see these different positions that have evolved um, Susan you mentioned a few as well that uh, that you've got now with a physician educator i believe and and some qu- uh, quality reviewers and anything you want to talk about here this kind of innovative in terms of stratification oh so what here?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I would agree. I kind of took Kimberly's with that frontline staff, but those are our concurrent CDI reviewers that are seeing, you know, and we also did not go 100% remote. We are a hybrid system. So, uh, depending on the site, uh, you're either fully on site or we do uh, remote two days a week, depending on, um, again, their experience and how long they've been there. Uh, we would like to keep our, our new, site, new staff on site to learn not only the physicians, the hospital, and those kind of things, but certainly have access to, to resources available to them. But we have uh, three CDI data analysts. Um, I started off with one, and as we've grown as a system and or need, um, data is always, uh, has always king as far as I'm concerned, because data obviously produces um, lots of uh, results and metrics that we can share back. So they are responsible for um, what I call our CDI dashboard and our metrics and our outcomes. We monitor that every month. We report that off to our CMOs and CFOs at every single site. And that is involved in a process where we used to be on site for all of those. Uh, We're starting to get back to doing those in person. Um, That did turn over to a Teams meeting, but we met with every CMO and CFO every month. So it would be myself, the corporate director, and the regional director uh, going out and discussing our outcomes and where we're, where we're at for everything and any opportunities or hardships that we are incurring at the site that is also produced as, as we are a system reporting up that they produce an executive dashboard for me. So we can look at it from a system perspective and how we're doing across the system. So that's kind of a unique, special role. Our auditor educators are a combined role. They not only audit, of the staff on a regular basis whether it's queries or how they're doing on their reviews they do precepting work for the new hires they or they um they just did education for our coders uh, and our cdi teams we have a once a month meeting across the system we pick topics and they divide that out and do education um, they can do education or and or reviews if uh say a, say we get an ask from uh, from one of our Facilities that says, "Hey, we noticed our CMI dropped. We don't know what's going on. We'll do a deep dive uh, review on that kind of stuff." So the, those sometimes that's divided up between the auditors and the team leads, depending on where that falls. Um, but they do that kind of stuff. Obviously, the corporate director, regional directors are really on site for the day to day, but we step in all the time and do reviews. One of our big challenges um, that we kicked off, and ha- I actually spoke about it a couple years ago at our National Conference was clinical validation, so we kicked off a corporate clinical validation committee as well as on-site committees as well on our top complications of care and have been doing reviews as well as building out when when we pick up complications and have scenarios and when we query for those top complications and actually reduced complications. I think the last call was about 35% of reduced complications wow. by doing that pre-bill. Wow. Um, one of the other big things that we've done and started doing is MCCs, uh, pre-bill. Um, if you can't find a SCC or an MCC on a chart or you're having trouble with that principal diagnosis, we put it out there for the team lead as from the concurrent side. Uh, they put it out there for the team lead or director, whoever has time to take a look at it and see if they can go back in and find it. You know, that needle in the haystack when you know, sometimes it takes more than one person to look at it and, uh, you know, just keep an eye on it. Or maybe there's a query opportunity. And we found a lot doing that has been very helpful. That way you're not doing retrospective audits or retrospective queries. We're trying to get ahead of it on the pre-built side.
0: Yeah. Nice. Power, oh, very nice. Power of the hive mind there. Everyone looking at that chart. That's interesting. Yeah. I haven't heard that technique used before. That's That sounds pretty cool, Susan. Yeah.
1: You guys actually mentioned some positions that, like Brian said, a long time ago, you know, we reported to one person and we did anything that they really asked us to do. So it's kind of nice that it's divided amongst the CDIs and they all have a different specialty. It's not just the people that are reviewing the track charts first, you've got auditors, educators, very nice.
3: Yep.
1: Thank you.
3: Yes, it makes a full program. Uh, everybody gets help from all you know, assistants from all sides
0: absolutely all right uh, i guess from here you know we, there's a lot more to talk about i know we're getting close to the top of the hour but um gosh just anything that you guys are looking for in particular when it comes to staffing and hiring i mean this this could be its own show in and of itself but um <laughs> you know you i'm 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 thinking of all the different roles you've run through I, I imagine hiring a data analyst is probably different than a frontline reviewer but is is there anything in common anything that makes a good cdi candidate in general that you look for while you're doing your your hiring that um that that might be of help to someone in a similar position looking looking to hire someone uh
3: yes go
0: ahead Kim. go ahead Kim
3: okay sorry uh so at advent health we do a series of interviews we interview uh with the with the director and the manager and the the lead for the first interview to make sure they're a good fit culturally and kids and live up to our standards within advent health and then they go on to a peer interview and we so they have to really have to do. They have to have the clinical knowledge, plus they have to have the values that we have at Advent Health. Uh, we do look for critical care nurses, ICU nurses, and ED nurses. They seem to have the broader mind of of the patient and all of the disease processes. Uh, that's really five years of experience is really all that we that we ask for. We like BSNs, but we will take. Uh, a, degree nurses ADNs so we can train them CDI but we we have the the thought process that their clinical knowledge is not replaceable you know what you know because of your knowledge and your experience so with the the experience we look for the experience and then we also look that we can hold up our values of Advent health all right
0: how does that compare with you Uh,
1: uh, compares
2: very similarly. Uh, we have, I look for somebody, we do the same kind of, I don't do, I don't do peer interviews, but we do do regional director, team lead, um, combined interviews. Uh, but we do offer, so from, so if, say you have a nurse that's on the floor and, you know, they have never been a CDS, don't know anything about it, but they seem interested. We do offer that and come in and shadow if they're really interested. And uh, shadow for a day and see what it's like, because it is very different than than bedside care, right? you're You're out of that realm. Um, so we do offer that opportunity. Some people take us up on it and they decide, no, this isn't for us. Uh, but that critical thinking, putting puzzles together, having that clinical knowledge, coding knowledge. Um, I have a coder on our team. We also have a physician on our team. Um, my data analysts are actually um, have backgrounds in coding. So, because uh, they're you know looking at it from a DRG coding perspective, when we're when we're running a lot of the data, so it's great to have them have that coding background. But really, a person again, I can't stress enough, you know, that ability, you know, to have uh, typing skills, Microsoft, you know, have that have that basic computer knowledge base, you know, how to use the mouse, those kind of things that you thought you would never ask before, but you know. You know, technology is is a hard thing, and they have to use a lot of different systems. So, but probably the bigger part of the picture is that ability to interact, right? We have to they have to have the ability to interact. They're going to have some hard questions to providers,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and they're going to have to be able to approach them. So, um, besides the critical thinking and their knowledge base, they they have to be able to you know be able to go up to a provider and challenge what you know or and ask a question. So, right, that's critical. Right.
0: That is yep absolutely, I guess the last thing here is and, and I um, you know, I imagine the the million dollar question that our audience wants to know is is how you guys were able to get all these positions approved is there I imagine again multifaceted answer here maybe it's building the right relationships with your hospital administration, maybe it's showing the right data, uh, getting the right ear, but Anything you can leave our audience with in terms of um, folks that are probably listening and, and a little, maybe a little bit jealous right now, you're able to get these positions approved in your, in your programs staffed. I know it's a lot of work that went into this, but what is, what is the secret there? Maybe we'll start with Susan and then, and then have Kim weigh in.
2: Uh, I would love to say that there's a great secret sauce and there's an answer to it, a perfect answer to it, but I kind of use a system on the number of discharges per year. Um, from the inpatient's perspective, if we're looking at inpatient reviews only, if this is not obviously for outpatient CDI, but from an inpatient, we look at discharge volumes, and that's how I come up with the number of FTEs we should have um, based on best practices that that I have found over the years for CDI, um, and that's usually about 1,800 reviews per year so that a CDS can do well. Um, I've seen that go up to two, uh, you know two, 2,000, but that's usually kind of where I start with, and then. Then the data, right? The data is again key to this. You know, if I can show outcomes and I can show progress and, and improvements in SOI, ROM, of course, CMI from our CFO's perspective. Uh, but uh, you know, we can start showing that change and showing where where we're making dollars, where we're making um, improvements in quality and capture rates. Um, absolutely, those are those are the things that that drive getting those FTEs
3: approved or kept.
2: I should say and
1: kept. Absolutely. Yep.
2: And the other thing, real quick, I'd like to add, while I've just you know, I've come up with that number that I come up with, I've also changed that philosophy as we move. So I had one hospital, for example, that had ten FTEs, but over time you know, they didn't really need to have FTEs. They were, they were doing okay, and they, they were a very experienced team, and I moved those FTEs and said, you know what, with all the mortalities for COVID that we were seeing, we like tripled the amount of co- mortality deaths at this one facility. We could really rather use an auditor for that because um, those mortality reviews take a long time. And uh, so that's how I, I just shifted the FTE to a different kind of position. So that's been beneficial as well.
0: Interesting. Yes, they don't get locked in. I like that, Susan. Kim, how does that compare to you in terms of getting positions approved? What is what is your secret here?
3: Uh, we do one in 1,500, so uh, that makes me sound really good for the frontline staff that we have. So that's kind of a, it's not a give me, but you just have to prove the discharges, which you know the last two years have really gone up. So that's going to be our increase mm-hmm. for the For like the QLs and the LTAC position and educator, we just, we routinely are in these C-suites. Even when we stop by the sites, we just go by and see them, plus our monthly meetings. Uh, We have relationships where they know they can call and ask us a question. We cannot talk financial dollars uh, when we are requesting the new FTE, so we have to do it a different way. We go in with uh, the length of stays that have increased. Our mortality o- over ease have just improved dramatically. That's the information we take in for the QLs. Um, our second diagnosis codes, how many codes are on are on a coding summary is something that we look at now and that they want to see. So we adjust with what we're asking for with the need. It's like for the LTAC position, We had to go in, and it's different in the in LTAP because it's a quality program. So we had to show them you know, did the research. This is your quality numbers. This is what we're seeing during the pilot. This is how we can help. So we have to go around everything but the financial numbers and really show our worth. And now it's, you know, we've proven success over and over. And as you said, as Susan said, we have to keep it there. Mm-hmm. So it's always stressful once you get an approval because then it has to keep, it has to keep giving an ROI. So it, there's very different ways but it's just on site, you know, talking to them, talking to their hospital, you know, knowing their hospital. When a CEO or CFO ask you about their patient, what patient knows they have, what you've been seeing, know what they know what they want to hear. Uh, let them know that you know their hospital uh, and you're asking because you really need it. It's, there's not one secret, I wish I knew it, uh, but we, we try our best and so far we've had great success at it.
0: Yeah. Well, whatever you guys are doing, it's working. So keep it up. But um, it's just Be again sure. wonderful to see the the varied positions you've been able to land and the richness you've helped lend CDI as a profession with all of these different roles and and uh, you know the, the important functions they they fulfill in your great program. So thanks for sharing that with us today.
1: Yes, sounds great.
0: Yeah. All right, I'm gonna jump over quickly now to our In the News segment. So uh, In the News is a regular segment featuring the latest news and industry updates relevant to the CDI profession and to Actis. Today I wanted to talk a little bit about the story I'm sharing on my screen here. This is related, uh, this is about the latest data released on the Hospital Readmissions Reduction Program or HRRP as it's better known perhaps. Uh, Again, this is covered by Kaiser Health News, what I really like about this piece it's a it's a good story first of all, uh, but it actually has right here on the right a lookup tool so you can click here and you can see the hospitals that were hit with readmissions penalties in twenty twenty two for twenty twenty two for the coming year um, so you can see if your hospitals listed there 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 were quite a few so if if you're there, don't be surprised. Um, There was, based on the story here, so this is the 10th round of penalties, the 10th year this program's been around, and Medicare is reducing its payments to 2,499 hospitals, or 47% of all eligible facilities. Now, the the penalty is not that great. It averages about a 0.64% reduction in payment for each Medicare patient stay uh, from the start of this month through September 2022. But you know, you add up those fines. Overall, they can be heavy. According to um, Congress's Medicare Payment Advisory Commission, or MedPAC, as we better know them, uh, it averaged two hundred seventeen thousand dollars for a hospital in in, in twenty eighteen. And Medicare is estimating the penalties over the next fiscal year will save the government about five hundred twenty one million. As we all know, this is about trying to preserve the Medicare trust fund, and but also to make sure that hospitals aren't readmitting patients when they shouldn't be. Um, so 39 hospitals received the maximum, which is a 3% reduction, and 547 hospitals escaped any penalty because they had so few returning patients. Definitely worth checking out here. Uh, this this also, this if you go to the lookup tool, I'm gonna click here for a moment. Um, it covers not only readmissions, but it also covers uh, patient safety penalties. So you know things like like PSIs and you can you can and hacks. You can look up those uh, by clicking the uh, hospital acquired conditions portion here as well, and sort by hospital. So again, I know these penalties might seem small, but you know with with relatively low margins. I've heard that hospitals margins can run as low as two percent. That's that's not insubstantial. And just curious, uh, Susan and Kim, if you have any thoughts on this article that you wanted to share. I know I know CDI is not always involved directly with readmissions, maybe on the periphery, on the work they do, but does anything here uh, resonate with you guys?
3: Hi, this is Kim. Uh, yes, this is the kind of information that I take in when I am asking for new positions or explaining our worth. Uh, we do sit in on some readmission meetings. Uh, we try to keep a neutral view of the chart because You know, somebody with CHF is always probably gonna have pneumonia or COPD. So we don't wanna be tugged in either way, or, you know, we wanna look for the chart for what it is. And if it's, you know, is a readmit than it that we own it uh but this is the information i take in to ask for ask for new positions you know say this is your readmit we need you know from a neutral view we need to look to make sure the charts are correct and so we need more people we need quality people uh, this is perfect information for that
0: mm. great and,
2: and so i would concur brian uh susan real quick um again we uh, Concurrently, we put a working DRG on the chart, which activates the length of stay within our EMR. Um, So it gives at least the case managers, you know, a reflection into what that length of stay should be based on what we're finding. And most, you know, pretty good percentage of the time, our DRG is correct. So, you know, because it hasn't obviously gotten to coding yet. They have the final say, I said, but it is something within their daily rounding that they can go over and, and have a judgment call on how long that patient's been there. Um, PSIs and all of that quality—that's exactly where CDI is is heading for. We, we're we're right involved with that. We have lots of questions regarding it. We're doing reviews on PSIs readmissions. Yep. So the industry is
1: just growing. <laughs> yep. It is. Absolutely. Quite a bit, actually.
0: All right. Well, thanks, guys. Finally, we're going to wrap up here quick with a short Actis update. Actus updates a regular segment featuring the latest news and what's going on inside of Actus. Um, you know, this is our first program since we've been back from our national conference, October 25th through 28th, in Dallas, Texas. I have to say, this was a, an, an event that even a couple of months ago was not looking like it might happen. You know, we had the rise of the Delta variant. We had a lot of sleepless nights and and hard decisions made internally here at ACTUS whether to host the conference, and ultimately, we we did go ahead, and ultimately, I feel like it was a very successful event. It was a lot smaller than usual, probably about 40% of our average attendance, but the people that were there really seemed to enjoy themselves. Uh, It was a wonderful family reunion, reinvigoration of what people are doing and and why they're doing what they're doing. There seemed like a lot of shared purpose there and And some really good will, I enjoyed myself tremendously. I left I always say I leave physically exhausted but spiritually recharged by the actus conference and and what I'm showing you here is just a um a link we have on the actus website we had a a photographer out as we always do and and we've actually got these photos are now uh posted on the photographer's website and you can go ahead and download these and um Take a look at them and share them if you'd like. You know, they're, they're scrolled here across the bottom. What you're looking at here is our CDI Professional of the Year winners. And we've got speakers. We've got, uh, this is Mike Rayburn, one of our great keynotes that we had here with his um, what-if message, which I thought was wonderful, and a, and a guitar that he gave away to one of our our winners, and uh, speakers, and exhibit hall photos. Maybe you'll see yourself <laughs> somewhere in here. Here's our friend Trey Lisharte. Uh was a speaker at one of our event but um, just just a wonderful event I know and curious what you guys thought Susan and Kim Kim I know for example you actually presented a session on uh, on tax, which I I got to see a little bit of that very innovative you've talked about that a little bit today. you know CDI in the tax setting so any um, any thoughts you guys had about about this event in Dallas uh
3: it was great uh it was i was glad to be out and about uh to see people to see people from all over traveling relax somewhat uh the smaller crowd i think was more intimate and a good way to get started back into what the normal or new normal is but it was a great time everyone i took 10 people everyone enjoyed it even the new people to the people that have been to uh to Conferences before.
0: Mm-hmm. Just I, I would kudos done.
2: that Ryan. I uh, I had the opportunity to go, um, been to many, and it was nice to get back to see everybody. I did really appreciate with the pandemic the lanyards that we put on to identify whether we wanted to be approached or not. We felt that was safe. Mm-hmm. The networking was great. I agree with the lower volume of people. It was kind of nice because you got to be a little bit more intimate. I, I don't know if I mentioned it to you, but I got to meet some two really good um, brand new people that came to ACTUS this year. We kind of hung out for a little bit. I introduced them to some people that I knew. Uh, they introduced me to some people that they knew, um, just because i had been going for a long time. So it was, that part was really nice. It was nice to, to to be engaged with other, you know, beyond what I normally go down and, and inter, intervene with. And it certainly was wonderful to be part of the ACTUS Advisory Board. Um, as well as to go out to dinner with you all. I guess, you know, while we all talk on the phone, it was nice to get to know everybody more personally um, than than before, right? Yeah, in person was. is always great.
0: It was. Yeah. We, uh, we did a pretty good job over dinner that night, I think, Susan, and we, we had some yeah. fun.
1: We did. I heard you guys had a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> we did, we'll, we'll just leave it And even the mind.
2: balloons afterwards were fun too,
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> it was a, a great, great conference. Yeah. yeah we really so. enjoyed it well again thank you guys for coming out and sharing some parts of your program today and your wonderful stories with hiring and staffing and uh, i wish you best of luck in the year ahead that is going to do it for today's edition of the podcast this podcast talking cdi we, we're gonna be back here again in two weeks just one day early tuesday november 23rd we're trying to avoid thanksgiving For our next show, which we're taking a look at um, outpatient CDI and how one organization does its prospective chart reviews. So, as a reminder, you can listen to the show recordings anytime on our website or via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. Um, Go into, actually, go into this as a reminder go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five star review if you like the show. That helps us during search rankings. Uh, We also, again, want to thank 3M Health Information Systems, now with M-Modal, for their wonderful support of today's show. And as always, if you have any suggestions for future guests, ideas about the format of the show, or whatever else you want to send me, uh, you can reach me at bmurphy at actus.org. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you back here again in two weeks.